All right. Welcome to the real dudes. We're doing seven. Yes. Eight, nine. Seven, eight, nine. Yeah, that's why six was afraid of seven because seven, that's eight, right. nine. Yeah. It's, and that, that is the end of the jokes for this podcast because this is one of the yeah. darkest movies ever made. Yeah. It's, it's, it's crazy, crazy dark. I was, I was getting real like disturbed in the middle of this. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's one of those things that gives you like walking nightmares. Um, oh, yeah. One of the scarier, like, because it's a little too realistic. Like horror movies don't really get to me because it's like, yeah, this is a stupid supernatural thing that doesn't exist. But this kind of like serial killer shit, especially the way Fincher's so good with like lighting, it, it mm. really thematically kind of gets you and draws you in. And he's really good with like the mythology stuff in the way that like I think Silence of the Lambs did it the same way with the Hannibal Lecter like figure in the background to draw you in i think this one uses the seven deadly sins to draw you in so it's not just a murder case it has some kind of oomph behind it that kind of distracts you from just an investigation and gives you something else there and it really sucks you in and makes you more committed to it which is just crazy well the crazy thing is like everybody has like a fairly decent idea of what the seven deadly sins are and maybe that's because of the movie and how old we are that but like most of people our age and older know what the seven deadly sins are but then you have to imagine like how they're going to be portrayed and what kind of like atrocities he's going to do to kind of like symbolize them like you start like you start like coming up with like horror stories in your own head before you even like see them yeah well and plus it's funny when you got to think about these movies too like when you think of watch it now it's not that it, it's still really gritty and really dark, but it's not as bad as it was in 1995. Um, it's pretty gritty and dark. This time I watched it, like you know, paying attention for it for the podcast. I was like, oh man, like I, I, I don't know if I've just never watched it as closely before, but it's pretty disturbing. Yeah, yeah, fully. But like, this is before the rebirth of horror with like guys of like James Wan. And like these psychological thrillers that really got aggressive and were showing more of this like gritty, more gore, like the torture porn, Eli Roth, like hostile stuff. So this was for a mainstream movie, like really groundbreaking at the time. Like it was crazy. Yeah, I don't really like the torture porn, hostile, terrible things happening. I don't really enjoy those movies. Yeah, this is probably the closest you'll ever see me getting to that direction. Yeah, and I think he's really smart because he shows the gore, but cuts really quickly. Uh, he also doesn't show the people before they're killed. Yeah, he never shows a death on screen in this movie except at the end. Well, yeah, it, they're an afterthought. The, on, the only person that you actually know before they die is Kevin Spacey mm-hmm. and Gwyneth Paltrow, right? And that's only kind of right for the most part. Like these are all faceless, like nameless people. Like you, you see the outcome, but you, you don't really know them. You don't feel them. So the deaths don't affect you as much. Oh, and you don't right? see the actual death. You just see the aftermath. So I don't, don't know. You don't some see of the those, torture. Yeah. But some of those deaths, like in my head, especially the prostitute one, that especially like just the imagery in your head that you come up with is real bad. Oh, no. And I think that's part of the genius of the horror story and why it's scarier, because it's actually a scarier film if you let your brain fill in the blanks than if you should. Jaws. Correct. The Jaws effect. Well, I always say it's um, I think it's the haunting from like the 60s where it's just a bunch Mm -hmm. of thumping. When you never see the ghost, it's a lot scarier because your brain fills in scarier shit than what they can produce. 
And I think this movie does a really good job with that. All you see is the end result. You don't see the deaths. So it's crazy. And I think that's really interesting. Oh, yeah, it is. It's 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 a good way of doing it. Yeah. Well, Roger Ebert really liked this movie. He's been on on pace for a while. Yeah. So Roger gave this 3.5 stars. That's pretty good. Are we going to? I don't know if I yay or nay that. I'm going to um, think about how many stars I give it and I'll give it at the end. But yeah, we'll we'll, we'll do it at the end. Um, we'll because uh, we may uh, go up and down. The, the stock value may go up based on our conversation. Yeah, it um, happens. Sure, it did. It did an 82 on Rotten Tomatoes with a 95 audience score. And this was the 12th most gross movie in 1995. It did gross. beat Congo. Okay. Yeah. Gross. I, I heard gross as in you gross. I, like I did that. They have a, how do they measure that? That was a, that was sort <laughs> of like a in, intentional pun. <laughs> there, there's a like, couple. Boy, how do you even scale that? There's a couple of movies that are a little weird that beat this one. 1995 was a pretty good year for movies. Um, and also a pretty good year for horrible movies. Um, for example, Waterworld. Um, Water Waterworld beat this movie at the box office. Seven did 84 million domestically. Waterworld did 88. Uh, Goldeneye came out in 1995. That did better. Great Crimson, movie. Yeah. Crimson Tide did better than this movie. Also a great movie. Uh, Die Hard with a Vengeance. Great movie. Casper. Ugh. Ace Ventura, When Nature Calls. Ugh. Pocahontas and Toy Story. Not that surprising. They're children's movies. They always do well. So it sounds like it was a great action year. Uh, I haven't even got to the top two. The second best is Apollo 13, which is one of the greatest movies ever made. And then Batman Forever, which is not. But it's still a Batman movie, so that's that's still pretty good. But it was actually a pretty good year. Dumb and Dumber came out in 95. Right? Outbreak came out in 95. Braveheart. Bad Boys. Right? Babe. Lots of cool movies. Jumanji. The original Jumanji. Which I imagine would have built beat this had it not come out at Christmas time. And also, of course, Pulp Fiction came out in 95, right? So, so yeah. It was a really popular movie. It did really well. And I'm not surprised because it's pretty goddamn good. Oh, I love Apollo 13. Yeah, great action year. Yeah. And uh, but then, you know, so seven does really well, which for a movie this gritty, I think coming in like 10th or 12th place in that year was actually kind of impressive. How much money did it cost? 30 million. So they just did barely more than double. Uh, 30 million to 84, I think it was. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, pretty good. It, they did fine, but not great. I'm guessing ninety five dollars too. That's not right. I mean, it's eighty four just domestically. Like it did better than that worldwide. They they made a bunch of money with this movie. Okay, um, I mean, they, world, yeah, worldwide they, it made a hundred million. They they tripled their money. Okay, so I think that's something pretty impressive. I mean, and especially keep in mind, like a psychological thriller, you're not expecting it to be as big. In terms of yeah, box office it, receipts, it had Morgan Freeman at the height of his powers and Brad Pitt. Well, he, Brad Pitt at this time was newer. Yeah, the, well, no, I didn't say at the height. Of well, his he power. was a sex. He was a sex symbol at this time, right? And that's one of the things I wanted to talk about. Like, yep. is this movie the start of Brad Pitt as an actor? 
it's a bad example of it. I see. I don't think it is. I think he's actually pretty good. I think he's playing a mook. Like, I think he's playing a babe in the woods. You know, it's like the odd couple. You've got the experienced cop and the, you know, wide-eyed rookie kind of new detective. And I think he's playing it that way. He picks the stupid ties on purpose. He has these kind of, like, silly opinions that aren't as cynical as Morgan Freeman's. And I think it's deliberate. I don't think it's bad acting. I think it's an intentional choice by Fincher to make these characters on opposite ends of the spectrum. He's not really a rookie, though. I mean, he's he a rookie detective. He, but he says he worked homicide for five years prior to the transfer. He's yes. not new. Well, in terms of what he's saying in every crime scene, he is definitely not showing a bunch of wisdom. Like, he says a bunch of dopey-ass shit. Like, the writing, like, there's no way you can act, ladies and gentlemen, we have a homicide. When there's an obvious homicide thing, when a guy's tied down, right? Well, I think that's just his personality. I don't think that's lack of experience. And also, Morgan Freeman, with all of his experience, ain't exactly knocking these clues down left and right. He's just as stumped. He's just not saying anything. Well, he's the one that discovered all of it. He He finds some of it. He finds that the hands are bound. He finds the. uh, Oh, I mean, he looked under the table. I mean, I don't. He was going to be a conclusion like Brad Pitt did. Yes, I will. Yeah, I agree with that. And and I would say that jumping to a conclusion in that job kind of shows that you're green. Right. Before you have any evidence. I don't know. I I don't know, because I I guess it depends. We don't really know because we don't see it because like it's not like he like what just said sign off as oh heart attack and and walked out like he probably would have kept on investigating. Yeah. And he was just his first. That was just his first impression. It doesn't mean it was his final one. Yeah. And he says he worked upstate, so like working homicide, wherever that means. Like, I have my guess of where this takes place. Um, a lot of people think it's New York City, but they never say. And I no, think that's don't. I think that's deliberate because I have a suspicion that we'll talk about later about where it actually takes place. But okay, uh, why do you think Mills wants to be in this place? Because it's one of the first no questions Morgan idea. Freeman asks. I, I honestly, I think Brad Pitt's character is like he was like the uh, you know the prom king in high school sports jock or whatever. He's just used to being in like the toughest places and doing well. I think he just he He's wanted stumbling to stumbling up. I don't think it's stumbling. I just think he uh, he just assumes that he can do it as good as anybody. So he's going to go to the worst place to show everyone. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think it's an ego pride thing. Yeah. I I mean, for me, when I'm watching it, I'm like, you got a hot wife. You're already a detective somewhere else. You were doing apparently a good job. Why would you transfer to a dangerous place where your wife's going to have crappy school districts and you're going to have to live in a bad apartment when you yeah, already got three dogs? And that's the thing that kind up. of it kind of goose me, too. Like, so you're you've been a cop for a while and then you demote yourself. Because that's really what it is. If you're going into a really bad area, that's a demotion. I don't and, know what the hell he's doing. And I've only interacted with a few cops. You've interacted with more than me. But quality of life is something that the cops I know value very highly. Yes, they do. <laughs> so yes, they do. And for our, our number one fan that requested this movie, I'm sure he could actually back this up for us. That 
transferring to a Metro homicide squad versus a Cush upstate detective gig does not make a ton of sense. It doesn't to me, but you yeah. know what? Like maybe he could like, he was in homicide then, but maybe they wouldn't make him a detective. Yeah, maybe it's, uh, I mean, okay. I get so, but that may be the same thing though. I don't know. Are yeah, you sure? What's the difference? What's, what's, well, what's the difference between working detective and working homicide? I don't know. Well, detectives rank, right? Uh, I don't know. I guess it depends on who you work for. Yeah, that's fair. That's I, fair. But I'm I'm not sure. But in my mind, they sound the same. That's fair. Like if, if I like when I hear them, it doesn't sound like uh like a demotion or a promotion. It just sounds like a different title for the same job. Yeah, and in a worse place with where your money is going to be going a lot less far. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then after you get that question, you get the opening credits and the title sequence. Mm-hmm. Is that the best title sequence in a movie of all time? Uh, It's pretty good. It's pretty good. Yeah, it's uh, I always think of this movie when I hear that song now. Oh, closer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I always do. Even though it's like a remix. So it's only you only really get the you bring me closer to God at the end. It doesn't it- matter. Yeah. It's 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 so ingrained as being related that I don't hear anything else. Well, and if there was a movie that looked like Nine Inch Nails sounds, mm. it's it's this movie. Yeah. Like when I think of like 90s industrial, like techno grungy kind of sound, that's like dirty, gritty, grimy kind of sound. Oh, yeah. I think yep. of this movie. Like this even has a Gravity Kills song in it when they're in Wild Bill's leather shop that I mm-hmm. used to listen to when I was a teenager. And it makes me laugh because it's the perfect soundtrack. Like Fincher is so good at atmosphere and he just keeps going back to Trent Reznor and his other movies. And it makes nothing but sense. Right. Well, he just makes on keep, he makes the same atmosphere over and over again. Yeah. I, if it ain't, no, broke, he's not exactly like making unique ones for the unique movies. He makes a certain type of movie and he's, he's good at it. He's like freaking Tim Burton. Like you can smell that it's Tim Burton a mile away. I think the social network is pretty different from like this movie. I haven't seen that one. I, I think this movie has a lot in common with girl with a dragon tattoo. Even yeah, fight it, club, I think is pretty different from this. Yeah. This is my wife's favorite director and she doesn't know who he is. She has no idea like that. It is, but like this movie girl with the dragon tattoo, the game fight club. She loves every one of them. Yeah. I mean, he's like, we, we've looked at this before he's got a pretty good batting average like alien three was pretty awful yeah um but he says that he fought with the studio and got fired off that movie three different times and that's why it's bad and he said that he wouldn't direct this movie unless he had complete control and that's where he learned that he needed complete control of films <laughs> um but he made a well, bunch they just of need to make money first and you can get all sorts of control it's funny how that works when you you make Fight Club and then you can kind of do whatever the shit you want. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Brad Pitt makes this movie and then he takes maybe the most dangerous movie of his career in 12 Monkeys. Like Those he 12 goes Monkeys before or after this. It's it's the next movie he does after this. Hmm. I think this is the birth of Brad Pitt becoming less of a I'm going to take my shirt off and be a pretty boy and I'm going to be. And I'm going to be a serious actor that tries really out there stuff and actually crushes it. Yeah, it, it took him a while, right? There was some there were some ugly ones in there, too. Oh, look, and I think everybody gets some ugly ones, right? 
Sure. There's some Daniel Day Lewis bad movies out there too. Oh hey. yeah, he's, he's he's a weird guy though. Yeah, fully. But it, just saying, like, there's some. But I think this is where he's kind of like, you know what? I've already proven that I'm pretty, right? I already did that Thelma and Louise. I'm going to take my shirt off. You know, girls are going to swoon over me thing. Let's see if I can actually read these lines correctly. It's kind of a good he thing. I, I but like his Brad lines Pitt. were pretty small and short and un undemanding, I guess, except for in towards the end. Well, and he has the most difficult. Apart from Kevin Spacey, I think he has the most difficult lines in the movie at the end. Yeah, I think they, Kevin I Spacey think has the, well. Yeah, I I think he has one line he doesn't deliver well. I think he does. Well, he says it a well. bunch. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's the first time he says it. We'll talk about it when we get there, but that's fine. Okay. So I'm going to tell you because it's important and I'm going to layer in the reasons why I think it is. Okay. My stupid Nick thinks about movies too deeply conspiracy theory. Okay. Do you think that Somerset and Mills are supposed to be Virgil and Dante going through hell? Now, did you read Inferno? Did you have to study I that read, in school? I didn't have to study it, but I did read some of it. I haven't read all of it. Um, keep going. I'm with you so far. So Virgil's the guide of Dante, mm-hmm. right? They're walking through each of the circles of hell. Now, in Dante's hell, there's nine circles, but one of them is purgatory, so that doesn't really count in the seven deadly sins, and it doesn't line up perfectly. But they're in this nondescript place that doesn't have a name that's foggy, gritty, dank, dark, and always raining. Okay. As they go through, literally, you have one person that is open-eyed, almost naive in their optimism, and then you have the guide of the movie played by Somerset, who is literally walking him through the investigation through these hellish, horrible sins as they walk through. To me, it lines up pretty closely, almost directly, to each level of hell. Do you think that was intentional from the screenwriter? I don't necessarily think that Fincher was trying to do that, but it certainly seems like, hey, I'm going to make a book about the seven deadly, or a screenplay about the seven deadly sins, and then I'm going to reference Dante's trip through hell with these detectives traveling through a modern day hell while investigating the crime. So do I think this is a modern day hell? Yeah. Um, is this is this like Dante's Inferno in a movie? Are they in hell? And is it supposed to be sort of like a almost an allegory for what Dante did while they're investigating it? Kind of, sort of, but it, well, one, it doesn't line up really well, especially considering like their the progression of like Dante and Virgil, right? Well, they it, it gets, they account for that in the movie. Like Somerset even says, "We'll think of this as an inspiration more than a literal translation." Sure, yeah, yeah. which which is is fine, but there's some like inconsistencies and stuff like that. Like, well, first of all, what's the difference between? Uh, a sin and a commandment. Sins are like things you should avoid, but commandments are straight out rules, right? Well, but not re- not really. Like, 
the the sins are the baseline principles upon which the commandments are built, right? So I think of sins as moral and commandments as almost legal. Sure. Right. Yeah, okay. I, but so this come this guy is making religious based killings. Mm-hmm. That's one of the commandments right there. How like, can you blow by what the second commandment that he says? The, and just blow past that one to get to the because uh, it doesn't say thou shall not murder it's thou shall not kill it's mm-hmm. it's much more open how the hell do you get past that because i'm pretty sure you go in one of the circles of hell just for doing that you break commandment you go to hell oh yeah and but to be fair the guy that does all this his entire plan is for him to die at the end yeah i don't love his plan like his plan is to pay for his sin so that sort of makes sense. And for me, it's more like I, I kind of wonder as I'm because as I watch this movie and I've probably seen this movie 30 times now, like. Mm-hmm. You really get this. This like even Beatrice, the love of Dantre is almost represented by Tracy. Like the yeah. only the only like sunny parts of the the movie that you get are the scenes she's in. It's like the only time you really see color because he washes out all the color in all the film, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. It was just me thinking about movies too deeply again, and it probably makes no sense, but you know, it could be, Uh, I mean, it certainly seems there's like reason, like, cause it's pretty, the lineup is there, right? Mm -hmm. You're, you're going through it as they go through the steps and start doing their research. It makes sense that it's like an an adventure. It's like a journey through like a, a pursuit of knowledge, I guess. Yeah, with right. one person who's new to it and one person who is a guide. Mm-hmm. And the the idea that that's not the same as Dante is kind of weird for me as they walk yep. through the sins that were actually the levels of hell. Like gluttony is a level of hell. Mm-hmm. Like all of these deadly sins represented a level in hell. So it's kind mm-hmm. of interesting, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm certainly I'm sure that's what he, it was like factored into his uh his thought, right? It, not well, maybe not as obvious as like uh the Odyssey and Oh Brother Where Art Thou. Right? Oh yeah, no, not, absolutely. Not quite not. like that obvious, yeah. right? But we're we're talking kind of nice and easy. Um, well, especially with a town that has no name. Sure. Right. And well, the weather's kinda, always the same. Well, I kind of think of this as like a it's a Somerset's the main character in yeah, my head. Ab- absolutely, you're right. And it's I would say it's his journey out of apathy. Right. He talks about in the movie how like it's it's really easy not like to just not care anymore. It's a hell of a lot easier. But even towards like all these things, they start making him he he gets re-engaged into his job. He gets re-engaged into like solving these crimes instead of being like a humdrum cynical old beat up cop who's been doing this shit for way too long. And then at the very end, after all of this shit he kind of discovers that like apathy is no longer an option. He like, he got really in this and he watched people that he actually got close to get affected. He was no longer able to be stay apathetic and had to re-engage. Well, and it's his redemption arc, right? Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then that's like why at the end there's, it's not like he said that like I'm retired. It's like, where are you going to be? He's like around. He's like, right. he's not going anywhere. He's not going to the farm. Like his plan was he's staying. And, right. and that's you got the impression I... that he didn't have a reason to care anymore, right? You know, he's got that awesome line that I really relate to. Um, 
anybody who spends uh, a lot of time around me finds me what what was the word he used disagreeable disagreeable or something like that something like that yeah it's a, it's, it's a great line right mm-hmm. and and now that he found somebody that he can kind of help through and they actually work well together mm-hmm. I, th- I think that's something that you're right he it is about an ascent out of purgatory right For him yep <laughs> yep so yeah. i think i think that's one of the interesting things about this movie and why this movie is one of the only movies i've ever seen that has a trick ending that's worth rewatching. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, I, yeah. I guess the trick ending it's uh, we didn't, it was definitely a surprise ending, but it, it you don't lose anything from the rewatching. You're a hundred percent like, like that, but, but like, but can you think but, of another movie that has a trick ending that is worth watching again? Fight club. I guess fight club's a trick ending. That's a fantastic. Movie. It's what do you mean? I guess it's a trick end. Uh, it Tyler wasn't Durden, for me. It wasn't Ed for Norton me and- because I had read the book. <laughs> oh. um, but but you're right. That is for everybody else, right? Like I I actually like his books, so I had read it ahead of time. But okay, yeah, that one. That's fair. Fight Club's fantastic. Uh, but the game isn't really rewatchable. The Sixth Sense no, isn't really rewatchable. No, nope, right. Nope. All of these movies with like these trick endings, they're just not when you've. Sp- spend so much of the movie on the ending they're just not mm. any good anymore yeah the surprise of the end is the reward and once you lose that it, it's kind of unless you i like you know like watching going back and be like oh yeah there's those clues those are kind of fun once so you can watch them like twice well i think watching kevin spacey's performance in this movie is way more interesting after you know how it ends oh yeah 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 it's fantastic like he like i i know he's persona non grata now but uh, he's amazing in this movie for like the 20 minutes he's in it. Like, mm-hmm. it's crazy. So. Do you know Gwyneth Paltrow said no to this movie and Brad Pitt had to talk her into it? I don't know. I don't blame her for turning it down. And I don't know why the hell they went after her. She wasn't really very impressive. And the character kind of sucked. I, I don't really know who you could have cast there that would have been. That would have brought any depth to the MacGuffin. I, yeah, I she was not a character. Like, well, if she was, she was there, but I mean, it was she was very unimportant. She was just an attachment for it was something to lose. Correct. You had to like her enough to feel pain, but not. But honestly, I I didn't love her performance. I wasn't really like that. Wasn't the shock at the end of the movie? And that's at, for me. That's actually the part of this movie. My one beef with this movie are the the Somerset and Tracy scenes. You don't like the baby? Well, I don't care about the baby. Like, you could have just done that as a throwaway line. It's just those are the weakest scenes in the movie. I also think Somerset's advice is trash. <laughs> I mean, of course it was. If you if you, you abort the kid, never bring it up. Never. No, <laughs> like, don't consult your husband on what you're going to do when you're pregnant. Get yeah, out of here, kid. The last thing here. you want in a marriage is open dialogue. Okay. <laughs> that is like the last thing you want. Yeah. Let's Thanks, take Morgan. advice from the switchblade throwing dart guy that's obviously never had a real human relationship that people think is distasteful. Yeah, let's let's yeah. take his relationship advice. Get out of here. It's just bad. Yeah. I, yeah the, and the he the guy's like, well, I know me and I know I made the right decision, but I wish I didn't. So you're saying you wish you made the wrong decision. Come on, bro. 
Yeah. What are you doing? It's it's trash and it's horrible advice. Every time I watch this movie, yeah. I'm like, how can you with a conscience? And you're supposed to be like the conscience of the movie. Sure. How can you give that advice? <laughs> yeah, it's bad advice. Yeah. It's immoral. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like it's bad all around. It it is. It's weird. Mm-hmm. It's funny. Um there's like all these scenes that the reason I came up with this this hell theory was because he's got all these weird scenes and Fincher includes them in the movie where Morgan Freeman goes he has this talk with the the Marine drill sergeant that's there apparently he retired yeah, this, he's like the sergeant or something like that yeah and he's talking about how the guy got robbed and then he got stabbed in the eyes yeah like what's the purpose of that if not to create like a hellish landscape that's exactly yeah they're just he's justifying his position right it's saying like literally it's all bad there's no good anymore there's it's no redemption bad, here yeah. no like i think that's just he's like reaffirming his existing thoughts and making them known to the audience that this is a really bad place and uh even the thought of trying to do good here is pointless yeah do you think Fincher was trying to make like a 1940s like film noir kind of movie here? I don't know. See, I thought that too. I got like a little bit of a that vibe off it, but it's it's weak. There's not a lot of police work well, in this movie. The reason I say it there's is there's a lot of like CSI work. Well, he took all the color out of the movie and made it drab, right? Mm-hmm. All the clothes are kind of old school. That's because Morgan Freeman's kind of old school and uh, Brad Pitt doesn't know how to tie a tie. He uses like a 38 special revolver. Yes, he does. He, But even, Mills doesn't. Yeah, but he uses a 1911. Mm-hmm. It's not like that's a, a new Beretta or something. And no. even the, the police work that he does do when he's doing research, he's not looking it up on like a microfiche. He, he goes to a library. And look and sits under those green lamps from the 1940s. I agree. And they also use typewriters and stuff. Yeah. It, it feels I, like he's definitely trying to put you there. Even though it's not necessarily meant to be in the 40s, but it's supposed to have that vibe. I took that in a different direction. Oh. I actually looked at it as an extension from like what um, Gwyneth Paltrow is saying about the resources. Like these guys don't have the resources to fight crime even if they wanted to. They're fighting a losing battle. I thought this is all this like lack of technology was just more evidence of the futility of their work oh it could be that too so that's that's how i took it i mean it, it's a movie man you can take it how you wish well and you know you and i tend to overdo this me more than yeah. you but like it's it's it was interesting because it definitely gives me that kind of like la confidential like sam spade kind of it's almost like you can see the cigarette smoke in the film right oh yeah and it, it probably is the same precinct. Well, like, there's right? a fucking ashtray in one mm-hmm. scene in this movie. When was the last time you saw an ashtray, even in 1995? Well, I mean, in 1995, we still had smoking sections in restaurants, dude. When I was 12? Yeah, I think yeah. you're right. Yeah. yeah. Eh, that's fair. Do you mm-hmm. think there's an order to the murders? Uh, An order, like, by Fincher or by uh, the killer? Either. So I can't figure yes. out one if there is one. So I don't really understand the gluttony one, 
but I kind of feel like um, the lawyer makes sense to put him in the beginning to get the publicity and try to get the the as much attention as you can because he okay. had a timeline, right? So he needed to make sure that resources were allocated quickly uh, yeah, to, in you- order to, to find the guy a hundred or one year later because that was right. the next crime, right? Um, I think that makes sense. Um, I've got a beef with that though. Okay. Well, realistically, they don't solve that until he has dinner with his wife the next day. Mm-hmm. So that whole he's expecting them to find the fingerprints and he's giving them what a 24 hour window to get there perfectly. Like he expected that they wouldn't get it and timed it, that it would be exactly one day that they would or discover maybe- the fingerprints. Get that. Get out of here. I don't know. Or they he assumed that it would take X amount of time to get the wife into uh, witness protection and then X amount of time to be able to have like a constructive dialogue with her. And then it's an overnight to run the fingerprint. Right. So how did he know exactly how long that would be to get it to be one gear precisely? Oh, no, that's it's a hole. Yeah, it, it worked out well for him. Right. Yeah, I, I think it's. Yeah, one of those things, Um, I would say that um, the. I don't know if this doesn't really count towards like order, but like after they show up at his apartment, it does seem like the crimes become more violent. Well, they also the sins are more violent, too. On Dante's hierarchy. Lust is is further down, but not much further down. The first three are like the minor sins according to Dante and then the second three are worse so Mm -hmm. people that have too much love in their life so people that eat too much or drink too much or have too much uh, greed or people that have too much sexual appetite those are people that love things too much those are the Mm -hmm. minor sins the Mm -hmm. ones beneath it are people that you know have uh, don't have or misplaced love where it's like envy or anger or but and then there's the lowest level with Dante is betrayers. Hey. Yeah. Who was the victim for lust? The prostitute. Yeah, that's what I would say too. Are we well, saying he says the, so in the car? Are we saying the the prostitute was lustful? She thinks she wanted to bang all these people? Well, yeah, why, that doesn't why make is sense. why is the John the victim? That's the <laughs> wouldn't he be the lust guy? Well, I think from his point of view, I think they both are. I think he's getting them both right. Both the John and the prostitute, but also like what I also don't understand is why are you, I get why you take the fat guy and you make him eat food to suffer his own fat. Okay. That's, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. You know, 10 points for Slytherin. Okay. Let's move on. The next one is greed. And that guy's greedy, so he has to do a pound of flesh. How does that line up? I don't know. Hey, the, and he said they he was bled, right? Because he he wrote uh, greed in the blood on the floor. Uh huh. So did he bleed him to death, or did he bleed to death from the the love handle wound? I think he bled to death cutting him, cutting off his love handle. Yeah. Then how the hell did he get the blood out after his heart stopped beating? I don't know. I don't either. I don't know. And what the hell are you gonna cut on your love handle that's gonna make you bleed to death? I don't know. The answer to that is not n- nothing. Okay. Right? Like there's you shouldn't you're cutting off your love handle. You shouldn't hit unless you're on something like blood thinners or something. There's no reason to think that you're gonna bleed out in any reasonable time and you're sure as hell not gonna like over a weekend, you don't think? 
over a weekend, sure, but it did, like, but he, he gets them on a Friday, and then Brad Pitt has a throwaway line where he says he gets them after security on Friday, and it was a holiday on Monday, so he could have worked on them Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and some, even Monday. I don't know, man. It doesn't. It yeah, there's some holes in the punishments. Well, I'm not sure. Like some of these crime, like like he gives like some of these guys ways out, right? It looks it presumably the lawyer, if he had given him a pound of flesh, he would have let him go. Is that how you would take that? Well, that is the last no that is the last line in the Merchant of Venice, right? Right. But there's no incentive to doing it if you're still going to die at the end anyway. Would you agree with that? And why does he know? And why would he give someone else a way out and not all of them a way out? Huh? Well, like the um, the the chick who cut his nose off, she could have lived. Right. She that was like a saw to. choice. Yes, it was, but it was still yeah. a choice. So, uh, like, so that's why I'm kind of saying that, like, this guy may have had the option to to survive if he had got exactly a pound of flush. Yeah, he had an option, and she had an option. But the fat guy and the fat guy zip prostitute zip. They had no options. Nope. And what's it's the weird, other one? Isn't it? There's five total. So the fat guy, then greed. A uh, sloth. He didn't have an option either. The guy with the pine tree fresheners. Yeah, and how is that sloth? Um, so sloth is measured a couple different ways. It's not just okay. laziness. It's doing nothing with your life. So because he's a junkie that isn't doing anything, that's he's a what drug he's dealer. Yeah, and a pedif- pederast. pederast. Is that what he called him? Yeah. Is that is that the word? I I heard that. I'm like, damn. Is that what you would call him? A just- pederast is somebody that is attracted to juveniles that have gone through puberty. I believe. Hmm. That's yeah. not a pedophile. No, a Pedophiles pedophile is prepubescent. Oh, boy! I learned so much from this shit. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Not that I had to Google it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but that guy, like, I, I don't get that sloth at all. Yeah, and I and why? I, I, but at least the punishment makes sense. He had to lay there and do nothing. Yeah, that's that's a bad one too. Which brings up an interesting question of the five, which of the punishments would you want to suffer through if you had to have one? Well, I'm going to take the one that I can survive. I'm going to cut my nose off. Well, he cuts your nose off and then you get a phone or sleeping pills. Yeah, I'm going to use the phone to call 911. Yeah, it's the best chance of survival you have in this entire thing. I don't know. I've got I think I've got a pound off of one side. Like I could probably cut off my triple chin here and get a pound. No, I don't know. I mean, do you think you'd be able to do that, though? No, no chance. Yeah, that's not thinking. No. If somebody else cuts your nose off. I can call 911 on my own. Yeah. probably. Well, yeah. I have a better. In fact, I say I have a better chance of calling 911 than I do of swallowing some fucking pills without a nose. Yeah, fully, <laughs> yeah, fully, because you're not going to be able to get that vacuum seal. No. It's just going to be like, well, no, air is coming cause through because your, your palate isn't in the back. It, it will it'll close off fine. Oh, okay. It'll be fine. You you can biologically you should be able to do it, but it would fucking suck. And you'd be swallowing a bunch of blood and stuff like Thank that. Thank God a nurse right is down here. the back. Yeah. <laughs> it'd be it'd be no good, man. No oh. good. And then if oh I, I don't think I'd like any of them. I think they no, all suck. No, no, no. No, we're not saying like, hey, like I've got a bore this weekend. Do you want to try one of these seven deadly sins? Uh, that's not what we're saying. We're saying most survivable. Yeah. Well, the one that you'd want to go through, right? If you had to, you got to pick one. It doesn't mean you want to do it, but 
it's the one of the choices that you, you get to pick. And you know what? Maybe eating a bunch of spaghetti, as long as that son of a bitch promises not to punch or kick me, I think we'd be okay, too. Uh, It'd be unpleasant, but I'd still have a nose. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> It'd be like going to like the, you know, the Texas Day Brazil. <laughs> <laughs> it's the old country buffet no worries <laughs> yeah i all of them are bad but i think no, no it's a horror movie or whatever you want to call this movie. psychological thriller yeah yeah no i i don't want to be somerset uh i think i'd rather be mills he's got the hot wife at home and the dogs and everything yeah i know but like he cuts her head off man oh, that's fair you want to see your head in a box that'd be disturbing because i mean if you want to go that route of like in terms of like you physically being okay go be the john for lust physically he's fine mentally he's ruined dude that actor oh he's really good he apparently stayed up for four days straight to get that look and like made himself hyperventilate to get that neurotic that sounds awful i'm not an actor man all these things these guys do like crazy like eating a lot and like not eating a lot to drop all the weight and crazy shit i don't want to do any of this it's funny because like i i really respect david fincher because he's just got balls like the size of grapefruits he goes to freaking morgan freeman post shawshank redemption because that's what 93 or something 94 mm-hmm. he goes and to brad pitt he goes this isn't going to be the movie that you're going to be the most known for he goes, but it might be the movie you're the most proud of. Is that what he actually said? Yes. And this yeah. bitch, the only resume he had before that was Aliens 3. Oh, he had a lot of music videos and stuff. Oh, great. That is some big dick energy for somebody who's never really made anything of note longer than three minutes. Mm. <laughs> That's just, I respect that level of confidence. And look, he's not wrong. Brad Pitt says this is the closest he's ever had to a perfect movie that he shot. At least that's what he said. That's what know. Brad Pitt says. He said it like 10 years ago. I don't think he means from his performance. I think he means like holistically as a film. Ah, okay. I was about to say, I don't think I would say this is his best performance. Um, no, no, I don't. I think his next movie where he, in 12 monkeys, he's better than he is in this. I would too. Yeah. Um, interesting. And then, I got a weird thing about Morgan Freeman's performance. Okay. And seldom do I ever get to criticize Morgan Freeman. Well, I mean, he's the same character in damn near every movie he does. That is a fair point. There's a criticism for you. Not a lot of range, right? Okay, go ahead. What do you got? The laugh at the vibrating house when he's having dinner. And he's like, uh, warm, cozy comforting vibrating home and then he has like this cackle he's like (laughs) and i'm like is that that funny it's a dick move bro like it feels like a disproportionately aggressive laugh for something that isn't that funny am i the only one that feels that way yeah it's weird I i thought the whole like why have a vibrating house in the first place well, they don't want it. There's a whole scene it, about how they got tricked into it. Yeah, but are we, are we 
but that how does that help the story? Is this just one more example of how this place sucks? I think they're just showing you how much of a rube he is. Maybe. Right? Her, like he's and, just, and her by proxy, right? Because they're both there. Well, and Somerset like kind of laughs at her the entire dinner, right? Because mm. like she's sitting there and there's this almost like an interview with her, and, and he's like, she says shit like I knew on the first date that I was going to marry him. And he's like, really? And she's like, yeah, he was the funniest guy I ever met. And he's like, okay. Yeah, he wasn't wearing his shirt. <laughs> like, and and like you can tell Morgan Freeman's just like, well, that's kind of odd. Nobody has commitment like that anymore. Right? And you can just tell he's questioning her because he doesn't believe that it's real. Now, we're supposed to believe that it's cynicism because he's obviously just a jaded old cop whose girlfriend left him because of the baby. Of and he's a bit of a dick. But at the same time, you can tell that he's like, eh, yeah, if you think this guy's impressive, that's on you, right? No, I don't know. I, I think actually, I think that's kind of like the, the turn of the relationship with Somerset and Mills, though. After that scene, he starts seeing him in a different light. Right, because they, they become much more of a team after that dinner. Oh, I don't know about that. I do. You're well, not even the first the- scene. He's kicking him out of a crime scene. The second scene, he's telling his boss that he shouldn't be able to take it. And his boss respects Somerset enough to kick him off the job, yeah. but not enough to get him off the job. Right. Like, and then he's there on different cases. So he's got them all antagonistic and stuff like that. But after that dinner, he starts showing him his tricks. Like he's got my illegal, you know, FBI library resources and stuff like that. All those things, all those, uh, when they start like working together again, but then you get the the angriest moment that he has as his partner is when Brad Pitt kicks the door down. So, well, I'm just saying that's not exactly teamwork, right? Well, he's also being a bit of a, (laughs) that's a stupid argument. I don't understand that. So, He's saying that we have to justify being here. We sure as hell can't use our, hey, my FBI buddy like tapped their uh, reading habits, right? It's not admissible, right? But they were just going to, but so they're just going to go up there and talk to him, right? Yep. That never would have showed up in court. They would have had to justify being there regardless of what happens. If they find this guy, he proves to be him and they arrest him later after the evidence, they still mm-hmm. have to justify why they're there because they was going to show up in court. If you have the same problem, no matter if he kicks the door down or not. Well, no, they what could the say hell? that they could say that someone on the street gave them a tip about. No, that's what they that's. No, that was no Mills idea. Wait. And then when he opens the door and they see evidence, now they have cause. But if there's no way that the door is open and they see anything and they kick a door down without cause, that's different. Well, they kicked the door down when after after they got shot at. Right. But it doesn't matter. Anybody can shoot at you. Boy, I got to tell you, I don't, I don't know if I buy that argument. I think the in terms of like we have to justify this in court, they're they're screwed either way if they go talk to that guy. Yeah, it's it's tenuous at best, but it's easier one way than it is the other way. No, I think it's probably pretty easy to justify that uh, we knocked on the door and got shot at. We could, I think that's probable cause to go into that. But then the house. question is, why did you knock on the door? Mm-hmm. But it would have been the question either way. Well, no, the question is, OK, that you got shot at. Why'd you kick the door down? Why didn't you wait for a warrant? Uh, because the bullet holes hit that uh, that door frame, and uh, we wanted to make sure everybody was okay. I don't know, dude. <laughs> what I'm saying is, either way, that would have come up in court. Oh yeah, fully. 
And and look, that whole like paying a homeless person to give you just cause that happens all the time. What I'm sure. Like that's as a guy that's uh, had somebody break into his house. I I've I've seen how that system works, and uh, you know stuff happens. I don't know. It is interesting to me though that Fincher predicted. You know that um, post the Patriot Act, library records are actually monitored now. Doesn't surprise me at all. Like Fincher, this is pre September 11th. This is like, yeah, but that's you're also using the argument that they weren't doing it before. Well, now now it's in the open. Yes, like everybody that's knows not, it now. It's legal. In previously, it was they, in the movie. It's not up in the open. Yeah, yeah. I just think it's interesting that Fincher like either had knowledge of it existing or, but or preconceived it, right? What do you think of the uh, the chase scene of John Doe? Um, I don't know. I uh, I don't really love the running through apartments mm. chase scene. There's a lot of them. There are. They're all kind of the same. I understand that people live in apartment buildings, so when you're dealing with crime stuff, they're going to run through them. I get that. But I've seen a lot of them. I didn't love it. it. There was nothing about it that blew my skirt up. So I'm going to tell you what I did love. Okay. It's one of the first movies I ever saw where they didn't know where the bad guy was running around every corner. Sure. Every every time you see a goddamn chase scene, it feels like when they run around a corner, they know he's not going to be standing there with a two by four. Mm. And this is the first movie where like you see Mills. When he goes around the corner, go slowly to make sure he's not going to get shot in the face. Mm-hmm. Like what an actual chase would be. And he gets Probably. lost. He has no clue where he is. It feels mm-hmm. like in every other chase, like you go watch like Lethal Weapon or Die Hard or something. They always find exactly where he is. They always make every right turn. And in this movie, they don't. And I actually think that's really cool. It's a way more realistic chase sequence that feels a lot more real. Hmm which I thought was cool. Do you think he let him live because he recognized him and he was already part of his plan? So I had thoughts about that. I don't know if it's that he recognized him because the scene on the staircase had already occurred. Yes. So he had already taken his photograph, which means he's mm-hmm. already probably done some research on him. And yeah, sure. Very little. Right. But yeah, he probably started watching him once they, he uh, started investigating his second crime. It feels like the long wait on the gun to the temple and that hold on it is almost like you can tell he's changing his mind about what he wants to do. You think he's you think he's formulating a plan at that point? I think the plan was always to do it that way. I think he changed the target. Who's going to be? You think could have been any civilian. Maybe he had another civilian lined up. No, it can't be that. Why? You're saying he would have chose somebody else to be wrath to kill him? Yeah, why not? At the end? It wouldn't have worked with the cops walking him out there, though. So that doesn't make sense. Well, I mean, he gave himself up. He didn't get caught, right? So he could have done that whenever. Yeah, I, I guess. But they would have just found his body and it wouldn't have been exposed, right? You wouldn't have known. Sure, it, no, they wouldn't have told the story. Yeah, you well, that, need the story or else it makes no sense. That's kind of my biggest problem with this whole movie is the it doesn't like he seems like he planned this out pretty well 
right? He started like oh, sloth. Yeah. He started a year in advance, mm-hmm. but he didn't know the most focal point, the hardest part to get done. He didn't oh. know it until who knows the guy just got in town like day one. Yeah, you didn't know what wife you could have targeted, right? You didn't know that. You, you also didn't know that the guy had the temperament to actually shoot you, right? You didn't like. I don't know, dude. I think it's a pretty. The safe- person he picked for wrath was like. It's a pretty safe bet that anybody that's on a police force, you send their wife's head in a box and they've got a gun on them. They're probably going to shoot you. It just seems like it was a a poorly planned out focal point, like the hardest, most uncontrolled pl- uh, part of his plan was also the one that he had the least amount of time to get his shit together for. Yeah, I agree. But I imagine there were redundancies there, right? You would have just picked a different cop. I mean, maybe, but I don't know. It just, it just doesn't, it, it's the one really like weak point in this whole plan that I can see here. It just doesn't really seem to line up with like all the other meticulous planning. Yes. And that might be what that hesitation was, right? Maybe there was another I, maybe. cop. Who knows? But do you, that's why I'm wondering if maybe like he recognized him from the stairs and then decided to do this, or he had already been like, Hey, that's a hot headed cop. I'm going to use him. And he recognized him like, oh, This is the guy that I want to be my wrath. I can't kill him. Right. He, he went down the flight of stairs. He, he jumped out on that ladder. He's mm-hmm. impulsive, risk taking behavior. I mean, th- th- and this is all like a, a stretch because, oh my God, like, the guy's been running. He's got cops chasing him and stuff like that. The ability to uh, process like that in that heightened state would be zero. I don't know. Yeah, but I don't know. I was just well, you think that. Yeah, I think that's what it was, because I don't know why else you would hesitate. You would just run or kill him. One of the two. You're trying yeah. to imply that thought is occurring. That's why. That's how I took it. Yeah. Yeah. At least that's how it reads. Mm-hmm. Um, what you think of his apartment? I got to tell you, the aspirin bottles in the drawer, that's a guy that gets a lot of headaches and probably has 10 bottles of Advil around his house. That's a bit terrifying. What's the deal with the wire journals so like prevalent yeah, in you, these types of movies? Because we don't trust men that have emotions. Like, is it like, <laughs> so this guy is like automatically like, like, because we're saying he's crazy, right? Is there something alluring about crazy people writing down thoughts? Like as as a, it's be like we'd be able to decode it somehow and like just kind of get a better insight of like how crazy they are by reading their crazy thoughts. I think people that are trying to send a message with their actions tend to want to document their thoughts for posterity. Mm. Is what I think. Because they do it in like Red Dragon too, right? It's like the same damn thing. It was just, that was the first thing I thought of when I watched it again. I'm like, oh man, this is like this reminds me of Red Dragon. And it's they the use order, the, right? They use the Blake etchings of the dragon, and they use the uh-huh. etchings in this one too. It's, they're, uh-huh. they're not, the yeah, Blake they're very etchings, close. But yeah, I mean, this was first, right? Although yes. Red Dragon was a book, it was. I don't know what that came first. Uh, I don't think. I don't Red know. Dragon. It doesn't matter. Yeah, I don't. But think it's pre-95. Like, but it's just like a. Is one of those things I think about. Like, there's there's just something like oh, like interesting about it. Like you'd like, like wow, I wonder what's in there because this guy's crazy. Yeah, I just think that people that are motivated by like a grander scheme want their scheme to be known by others. It's yeah, like this how people that did. Could, 
Yeah, it's like how people that commit suicide often leave a note because they want their last thoughts to be known. It's the mm. same kind of idea, right? At least it's what it seems like to me. I don't know. Did you uh did you like the Wild Bills leather shop reference? Yeah, I mean, that's kind of hilarious, right? Yeah. Yeah, I Well, that seems like a real store though. Right. No. It's called Wild Bill's Leather for a reason. Why? Buffalo Bill. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. It's yeah, a yeah, Silence yeah. of the Lambs yeah. reference. Okay. Yeah. That's that's just where I wanted to make sure we're on the same page. Okay. Oh yeah. Especially when it's a leather shop. The guy that was making like human skin suits. Like <laughs> mm. it's a it's a pretty cool nod. I dug it. Sure. Sure. That was the most disturbing part of this movie for me. That whole like, yeah, yeah, you know, dick knife thing. Was it disturbing because it was like a ten inch knife? Because that's what bothered me. Seems way <laughs> too big. Uh, yeah, I felt very inadequate. Well, I mean, it's <laughs> it's well, I mean, it's ten inches on top of whatever he's already got. So I mean, it's more like at least a twelve inch knife, right? I mean, I mean, it would be a twelve inch knife in my case. That thing was like a Rambo knife. You just got like a compass and a fishing line and band-aids in the hilts like it was oh yeah i don't think band-aids are gonna do it (laughs) (laughs) i gotta tell you of all the places i thought we were gonna laugh at the podcast no i knew it was gonna be this one i knew it was gonna (laughs) i did not think the knife was where it was gonna be you know, I knew it was going to be the, the most disturbing part because I mean, I don't process real emotions. I just make bad jokes. It's how I deal with my things, you know. But yeah, the, uh, <laughs> it's no good. It's no good. Yeah, I'm um, I'm glad they didn't show any of that. I'm glad they didn't show any of these things. Yeah, no, I I think Fincher made a really good choice to not show it. I yep. don't think it was needed. You also feel, and this is going to sound bad, I acknowledge this, but without knowing these people, you do feel a little less bad. Right? Mm, sort of. For, for the like, for the most part, like, a lot of these people, like, you would, you might say something, like, not obviously, like, that guy should just die, but, like, the, the, the gluttony guy, probably a lot of people would make a joke about it. Yep. Right? Well, Kevin Spacey makes some points. Yes, he does. Like uh, the greed guy, mm-hmm. people would probably say something. They definitely going to say something about the hooker. They're definitely going to say something about the drug dealer pedophile. Um, like a lot of these people, like um, most people wouldn't like. Well, and I think that's the plan and why. So the original person, the the sergeant, the Marine Corps guy, the let me see your war face guy. Yep. That yep. guy originally applied and wanted to be John Doe. Did he really? And Fincher said, no fucking way, because you don't have any gray in you. There's no way anybody will be able to sympathize with your motives. Because you're just too black and white. He's too rigid. And you need Spacey there to give you a little bit of not a lot, but just like a a 1% of, oh, I kind of get what he's doing. Yeah. You need that because you're right. Like these people, I think with the exception of like the prostitute and probably the fat guy, right? Like they probably got a lot more punishment than they deserved. Right. 
I would say every one of them got more punishment than they deserved. Yeah. If you're going to defend murderers that you know are murderers and let them out on the street again, you probably get what you get. I'm not going to feel that bad, right? You're a drug dealer and a pederast. You probably get what you get. I'm not going to feel that bad. Oh, I'm not. I'm, okay. There is a difference between thinking that they got more than they deserved and feeling bad about it. Right. Yeah. But I think, yeah. I, I mean, I feel the fat guy didn't do, do anything wrong. Right. Right. He could have been the nicest guy in the world. Right. Yep. Just because he's heavy doesn't mean he deserves to die. Correct. Right. Same thing with the beautiful chick. Yep. Same thing right? with the prostitute, really. Same thing with the prostitute. Yep. Right. Um, we'll, we'll let the, the drug dealing pederast guy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he gets uh, it, and probably yeah. the attorney. But even then, I'm not. No, gonna, even I'm the not attorney, give you that man. Much. That's that's his job. Everybody has a right to a defense, right? Right. right. So uh, yeah, sliding scale. We're gonna put drug dealer pederast worse, <laughs> lawyer than everybody else. Hmm. Do we put lawyer above hooker? In terms of worse, absolutely. Why? Because that hooker never released anybody that killed anybody. Do we know this guy did? Oh, yeah. The only client, so that, we know a, he, the only client that we know he had was he took care of the uh, the drug dealing pederast. The, I thought. Uh, Kevin Spacey has a line where he says he uh, defended every rapist and murderer in the city. Oh. Yeah. Wait, so, yeah. like, at the end of the day, it's kind of like, eh. But again. You're not supposed to. These people obviously don't deserve to get murdered by random people, right? Mm. Just on a they're sliding. Still, they're still scale. victims, regardless. Correct. But yeah, and I think Kevin Spacey did that pretty well. I think they did a pretty good job of it in general, right? Well, you know, because a lot. Of, yeah, I do, you know like, Kevin Spacey's people, name wasn't attached to the movie at all. I did know that actually. I reckon I did see that. I don't know why. I do. Why? Because you didn't want to give away who the bad guy was. Why? Because it doesn't matter. Like, if you say Kevin Spacey's in the movie and you don't see him while they're chasing him the whole time, you know it's Kevin Spacey. What do we did we think that there was gonna like with this script? Did we think that he wasn't like exactly Kaiser Sose hiding in plain sight? Well, that's kind of the point though, right? It's a surprise because they literally never even show him. And then when you see the title credits at the end, he's the first name. Because he wasn't included on like the movie posters and stuff. I think it's really cool that the guy that's hiding from the police is also hiding from the movie posters, right? Like we were just in, in the dark as everybody else was in the movie. I think that's actually kind of neat. It's cute, unnecessary, and doesn't do anything for me really in the long run. Because when you when you first see the guy, he admits that he's the killer. There was no hiding. There's no games that you knew exactly where he was the instant you saw him. Right, but if you watch the first hour and a half of this movie. And you don't see Kevin Spacey, you know he's the killer, dude. I don't know. I it does that does nothing for me. I'm sorry, That's it really fair. doesn't. It does nothing. I. It seems like a waste of effort. Yeah, yeah, it's probably fair. It's probably too much, right? Mm-hmm. Especially because in 1995, it's not like Kevin Spacey was like this is pre-American Beauty, right? Because that was 98, yeah, but it, 98, 99-ish. But it's right around The Usual Suspects. Everybody loved that movie. Loved that movie. Oh, yeah, it is right around Usual Suspects. I, I think probably... Hold on, let me goggle it. Yeah. And while you're goggling that, I'm going to ask you the 
there's a really interesting bar scene between Mills and Somerset, and mm-hmm. it's about cynicism or optimism, right? Where, you know, Mills says stuff like, you want me to be like, yeah, the world's fucked up and there's nothing we can do to fix it, but no, I'm not going to agree with you. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to do it. You want me to say that? I'm not going to say it. And he's like, oh, you're going to make a difference? He's like, I don't know. Where do you fall on the Somerset to Mills scale? I lean toward, more towards Morgan Freeman. And I think I lean towards Brad Pitt, believe it or not. Um, the Usual Suspects also came out in 95. God damn, what a year for Kevin Spacey. Yeah. Um. So... I guess no. I think I do lean towards uh, Morgan Freeman. I think I I very much feel the same way he does. That like you're doing things, like he never stops doing things. Right? He he keeps on going even though he feels like in the long run it doesn't matter. But he's still trying. He's still working. He's still trying to catch bad guys, and he's doing all of his cases to the like he says to his boss. All those unsolved cases were taken as far as they could possibly go. Right. So it's not like he's just phoning it in. He's still doing the best of his ability to catch these bad guys. He just thinks in the long run, it's not going to make a difference. Huh. Um, and I think I do lean closer to that. You know, the usual yeah. suspects only had a six million dollar budget. Doesn't surprise me. Good Lord. They're, I mean, all the people in there were like nobody it was like a um, Benicio de Toro, like like it's probably like his second movie ever. Like it was like that in uh license to kill that I've ever seen him in. Yeah, that's fair. Uh Kevin Spacey is brand new. Um and I literally don't know all the other guys' names, but none of them were one of them there's a bald one of them was a Baldwin, right? Yeah, it's the silly Baldwin, whatever his name yeah. is. I think it's actually <laughs> Billy Silly. Silly Billy Baldwin. <laughs> silly Billy Baldwin. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, whatever. That's not the yeah. movie we're talking about. Okay. I don't like that movie as much as everybody else anyway. Me neither. Um, so when they leave the bar, because you lean more pessimistic, I tend to lean a little bit more optimistic, but I think I'm depending on the day, I can skew both ways. Um they go back to the precinct and Kevin Spacey turns himself in, right? Mm-hmm. And then you get the lawyer scene where he proposes the deal that if they escort him out, you get two extra bodies. Damn fine deal. Do you take the deal? It's my decision. It's your decision. Um, so boy, that's a really hard question. I don't think it's hard at all. I do. It re- relies a lot of trust. Right? Because I know they said, like, even though they can use when he, if he tries to plea insanity. He can still use like the this conversation as evidence that he's not insane. Correct. But I got to tell you, this doesn't convince me that he's not insane. Boy, I mean, I guess I do it because I don't really see much of a downside. Um, I think I would I'd probably roll the dice on the insanity plea um, if I had to. But uh, I'd probably go look for those other bodies just so I can at least like tell the family members. I got to tell you, I see absolutely no reason that the reward outweighs the risk. What's the risk? You have him in custody and you have a SWAT team protecting you. Uh, the risk could be that there's a bomb. The risk could be that there's 50 people waiting. This is a guy that planned and strapped a dude to a bed for a year and kept him alive after he cut his hand off. 
this is a guy that's like been manipulating you from square one. Why would you ever? I've got five bodies that I could either put you in prison for the rest of your life or put you in a psych ward for the rest of your life. Either way, you're never seeing the light of day again. Why would I risk anything ever? Because it's not a risk. If you put it in those contexts, you're he, so if you, you don't know you're context, ending up in the middle of a field, he could have taken you to an abandoned building where dynamite was planted everywhere. You don't sure. know where the destination is. Mm-hmm. So you're saying your life isn't worth keeping him out of a psych ward and putting him in jail. That's that's the argument you're making. Well, he's never getting out anyway. But the, so yeah. yes, what difference does it make? He's never hurting anybody again. I mean, that argument's pretty compelling. The why would I risk my life to keep you out of a psych ward when you're still going to be locked up? And it's not just your life. It's your partner's life. It's the SWAT team's life. It's everybody's. But you, you don't feel any obligation to try to identify those victims. So the family members aren't thinking you have about no it for guarantee the rest of their the, life. You have no guarantee that the bodies exist. The, you have. A, but based on all the things you've seen this guy do so far, it's not a stretch. Well, I'm just saying, like, there's no guarantees. No, there's not a guarantee. And even there's then, also no- you only have one unknown blood type on that guy's body when he came in. Mm-hmm. Not two, one. So even yes. that doesn't line up. Mm-hmm. So for me, I'm kind of like, eh, I just but don't see the game. Realize that he doesn't always uh, get bloody with these people. Like, he didn't get bloody with the fat guy. He didn't get... Um, uh. Well, I'm just bloody saying that means that the, the blood is he didn't get he didn't get bloody with the uh the guy he cut his hand off of. Well, no, I'm just saying that means that the the blood isn't a compelling reason to go. Well, it, it's evidence though. It's 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 it would be a reasonable argument to say he's got unknown blood on him that, that we haven't known. We have all the blood types of all the people that he's already killed. There is reason to think that that is another victim's blood. I think everybody in the world would agree with that. But it could have been one of the victims from previous. No, because they already have all those guys' blood samples already. Oh, they ran it against all five victims already? Well, I mean, they they know that uh, the one blood type is off the chick he cut his nose off of. And that happened like that day. Yeah, that's fair. Right? I so don't see the gain. I think it's the uh, the only angle on that is the family members of the victims. Yeah. That's the only argument I can really hear that would make sense to me. And then realistically, why don't you just sweat them out in prison and let them think about it for a day? Right? Like, I know he says there's a time limit on it, but do you believe that if you're a cop? I don't think I would. That, well, yeah. That being said, at very least, Somerset should have recognized that if he wants it, you don't. Correct. Right. If, That's that yes. lines up with pretty much anything that you would have seen this guy. If this guy wants you to do it, then you sure as hell don't want anything to do with it under any circumstances. And there's no good that's going to come of it. Nope. That I is going to outweigh that. the bad. Right. I would I would agree that I'd be compelled to go find out the family members for the family members, the victims. But boy, I do think that I'd be smart enough to recognize that if this is part of his plan, it's a bad plan. Right. Yeah, and I don't think one SWAT team in a helicopter two, three hundred meters away is good enough. I, a guy I in a really forest know. truck got within 50 feet of him. No problem. You think this guy's a team player? But yeah, he didn't sneak up on them either. They knew he was coming, right? Well, no, I'm it, just saying like that guy could have had a machine gun and taken everybody out. You don't. Yeah, know. but this guy doesn't seem like a team player. 
Well, no, I get that, but I'm just saying, like, these are the types of things that could happen and fully did fucking happen, right? That SWAT team did dick to stop that fucking truck. Sure. No, like, well, yeah, the guy, Kevin Spacey took his, with all those high-tension wires, yeah, he picked the spot well. Like, what the fuck? Well, it turns out the screenwriter did that so that they couldn't um, do, like, radio communications between the helicopter and the Mills and Somerset on the ground. That's why he wrote it that way. And really? it turned And it turns out when they were filming it, it became a huge problem because it actually makes it so walkie-talkies don't work. So they had to coordinate all of the shots via cell phone. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Apparently, ninety-five cell phones true. were rare. Yeah. Apparently caused like a big problem when they were filming it. Bizarre. And that was actually one of my original uh, hell arguments was that they're literally climbing out of hell because it rains in every scene until Kevin Spacey gives himself up. Mm-hmm. And then it's sunny outside from then on. But then I found a David Fincher quote that said, um, yeah, no, the reason it wasn't raining is because we shot in California. And if I could have made a rain machine that would have drenched the entire plains of California, I would have. This it was just because he couldn't because it was too big of a scale. It's not because of uh, any symbolism. He just fucking couldn't pull it off. So, that yeah. Didn't... Well, there's there's symbol symbolism ah symbolism implied and and intended are not the same thing, right? If you you can make out of whatever you want out of these movies, right? Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. That's all of my uh, plot thoughts. Do you have any more plot thoughts? Questions, concerns, issues. <sighs> well, we got to talk about the ending, I guess. Yeah, let's talk about the ending. Let's talk about what's in the box. Okay, so everybody makes what's fun in of the what's box, in the Nick? box. What's in the box? What's in the box? I um, I do not think that is as bad as everybody else does in terms of acting. I truly do not. Really. Well, here's the thing. The line, what's in the box, especially the first one, what's in the box? That one, that one's pretty bad. But then you get all these close-up shots of his face where he's like going between utter and complete despair and then rage of shooting him, where he goes up with the gun, down with the gun, up with the gun. I think it's fantastic. See, I hate that. Oh, I think it's great. I think his acting in that is great. I think it's probably a bad writing choice. But I think his performance of it's great. I don't know. I don't like the up, down, up, down. It's too fast. It's too fast. I think it's reflective of his emotional, like, like temper. Mm, I don't like it. Yeah. No. You think he should have been slower with it? Oh, uh, I think you need to do it for time and it's a movie and stuff like that. I just think that's too fast to do a roller coaster of emotions like that. Mm. Do you like okay. the ending? I do like the ending. I think it I think it's clever. I think it, it requires a lot of faith. So one of the original versions of the script did not end this way. What did that, how did it end? Tell me it was a better ending. Well, you can tell me if you think it's a better ending. The original one of the originals that the apparently uh, that the movie production company wanted because they thought people would like it more because it was happier Mm -hmm. was 
at the beginning of the movie, you see Somerset uh, looking at a cottage. He cuts a piece of the wallpaper off and carries it in his wallet throughout the film. Mm-hmm. And then at the end, in the box is a blonde girl that he says is Tracy. It isn't Tracy. Mills shoots him, thinking it's Tracy. Turns out it isn't. Mills goes to jail for the rest of his life. Somerset gives the cottage to Tracy to live in with their baby for the rest of their life. Nah, that's that's worse. I agree. They they chose well. I think you cannot take the darkest film made in the 90s outside of what, 8mm? And then, or is that in the 2000s? Whatever. I don't know. And then give it a fucking happy cottage ending. (laughs) There's an interesting question. Do you think Mills goes to jail? No, I do not. I don't think he does either. I do not. I think I think the uh temporary insanity argument would be well founded. I don't know much... even I don't even know if charges get filed. I don't know. I think he well, loses he, his he, job. No, yeah, absolutely. I think he loses his job, but you hear the sergeant say, We'll take care of him. Yeah, I don't think right. I don't think I don't think he goes jail. to jail. I don't no. think so either. Um I don't know. Do you think Morgan Freeman keeps on being a cop? No. See, I do. I think he's. I don't think he retires. What else is he going to do? He he already acknowledged that he's not going to leave the city. I think the guy that was on the edge of retirement due to cynicism and evilness in the world that just watched perhaps the most evil serial killer in the city's history in front of his eyes is not going to stick around. No, I think he's sad sack Murtaugh. He keeps oh, really? on saying he's going to retire and doesn't. <laughs> yeah, but like I think, but I think that's part of the, I, the whole story. I kind of feel like that it's a, it's not it, not exactly like a redemption story, but it's a story about how he gets out out of apathy and gets back into work and starts trying to do good again. Maybe right. So I think I think this is like the like he'd never seen anything before, but he'd never really get attached to a partner before. He got really close to his partner and his wife, and they died, and he can't. He wants to go back into fighting that again. I don't, I think this is, he stays being a cop. I think he keeps on doing his thing, but I think he has a, I don't want to say he's got a sunnier outlook, but I think he's less apathetic. He's got a better perspective. Yeah. Cause he yeah. says that that's in that bar scene. He's talking to Brad Pitt about apathy. Yep. And he's he like, does. he's like, I'm, he's like, you're no better. He's like, no, I'm not. I, I totally agree that it's easier to feel nothing than it is to actually fight this stuff. It's, you know, like some of the truest lines things- in this movie. And the most I, scary ones. Uh huh. I freaking love that. That's it's probably my favorite like dialogue in there because I feel like he's a hundred percent right, and I think that's one of the things that's really scary about this movie because I think most of us can can identify with that. Super secret. It's my favorite scene in the movie. Is it by mm. far? Yeah. It is the most truth in a movie I've seen in a long time. It's depressing, but it's, it's terrifying. It's, it feels true. Yeah. Yeah. Where'd you want a one to ten? Where do you put Kevin Spacey's performance in this? It's very good. It's a nine. I think it's a nine too all day. Um, it's his ability to go hot to cold so quickly. For like his like, he's cold, cool, talking about stuff. This is what's happening, and then he starts like when he starts trying to get talked over. He wants to get his point out. He starts like a woman, you know. He starts right. like raising his. And start, you can start seeing that anger, that unstable, like, this is, oh, that's the part of him that actually really wants to do this crazy stuff. Mm-hmm. I think it's really good. And he's got, like, the most savage burns ever. 
is like, I remember we knocked on your doors. He's like, oh, yeah. And then I broke your face. Mm -hmm. And you're just like, oh. (laughs) Yeah. And he's clearly, he's smart and thinks about stuff, right? He's like, well, you seem to enjoy your work, John. He's like, yeah, I enjoy it as much as you'd enjoy being in a room with me with no camera on. Right. Right. And that's like, I bet that's true. And then when you put it in that context, you're like, oh, man. It's also great writing. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. 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 But the writing's part of it, right? Well, it's really hard, I think, to that's almost a goddamn monologue in the back of that police car. Mm. Like you get a couple lines from Brad Pitt saying, you know, you're a T-shirt. You're a movie of the week, right? You get a couple of those in there, but realistically, he's doing all the lifting for like six minutes. Hey, you're Somerset. Yeah. Do you just bitch slap Mills when he's yes. like just antagonizing him for and not getting anything out of it? But I think he knows that if you antagonize Mills, he just amps up. Because remember when he laid hands on Mills before he kicks a door down? Like he's not the type that can be calmed down. I mean, I guess he was speaking as long as he was talking and not like just barking back and forth at each other. He was getting information. But I just it, what if I was in that group, I would do the talking, not you. You sit there and shut up. I will do the talking because I'm the one who a knows these books and stuff like that. I know the references a hell of a lot better. And B, I can stay cool, comma, collective. And you're an emotional wreck who, who doesn't know how to fucking read. Yeah. Like, what the hell? It's a tough run. And I've got that soothing voice. <laughs> Brad Pitt said he was the voice of God when he was interviewed when this movie was getting made. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Yeah. I, I really like the ending. I think it is a really elegant ending that's written well. It's got some holes in it in terms of how it gets there. Like, it doesn't make sense that you could pick his wife when he hadn't even been assigned when you started down this path. But, like, Apart from a couple things like that, it's it's really quite beautifully tied together at the end. Yeah, no, it, it's a really interesting story. It's 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 done well. It's it's dark as hell. And uh, and you honestly, you, you don't you don't feel any better at the end. You feel just as bad, if not a little bit worse. And I think that's why I like this movie so much. It doesn't let you off the hook. no. No, no, there's no redemption in this. There's no like, oh, okay, we're okay. Like, at least like the end of Fight Club, another kind of like fight, like dark movie. Mm -hmm. That that end, you feel good. You feel back. Vindication. Yeah. Yeah. Not not in this. You don't get anything like that. Yeah. I mean, this one is just, it's just really well done. And it's interesting that he went from like one of the worst movies I've ever seen to this one, which is one of the better ones I've ever seen. Like, so for me, this is a four star movie. It is. I put it up there with like Silence of the Lambs. No, it's not that high for me. No, no, I, I give it a three five. I'm, I'm going with Ebert. Are you? I think so. It's It's very good, but there's some things that I really just. I don't know if I understand it or I don't get it. It's just not clear and I don't like it. I could say the same thing about Silence of the Lambs that I don't like some stuff too, though. Oh, sure. Sure. So, there's know. there's there's no such thing as a perfect movie. You can always nitpick something. But there's I, there's a couple perfect movies. But in this but but you you take them in the scale of their uh their Peers. like genre, right? Yeah. 
And I do not think this is the best example of a movie like this. Yeah, you think Silence of the Lambs and like Red Dragon are better? I don't know about Red Dragon, but I would go Silence of the Lambs. Yeah, is better. I think they're on par. Right. Uh, so the problem I would say more than anything else is the uh, I like jo- Jodie Foster better more than Morgan Freeman and Brad Pitt. Yeah. Yeah. And it might it might be because of their like more like Morgan Freeman's more like cynical and old and Jodie Foster's like like got the can do recruit. I'm going to go bust balls and like work my ass off. Like oh, she's yeah. a much more bright, shinier character. No shade right? on that performance. It's one of the best performances of that era. Like, yeah, like Silence of the Lambs is unassailable. Like it is well, amazing. But I, I got to tell you. And this is going to be super hot take. Here we go. Kevin Spacey's performance. Probably better than Nancy Hopkins. No. Nope. Disagree. Do not agree. He doesn't get the theatricality of a mask and being wheeled around on a chair and eating people to prop him up. Are you kidding? What are you talking about? He's got the theatrical like of freaking all the crazy shit he's done. He burned off. He cuts off his fingertips. The guy does like he cut off a guy's hand and finger painted with it to get fingerprints on it. Yeah, thing. but every this- villain does murderous things. That's that's level. Boy, boy, it's, it's the Steve Buscemi and Con Air argument. Is he actually scary because of his acting, or is he scary because he wears the mask? And there's 50 people carrying him around. He doesn't do anything to act scary. They put things around him to make him appear scary. That's not a performance out of Steve Buscemi. They put set pieces around him to prop him up. And I think Anthony Hopkins benefited from a lot of that. He did did really well, but I think Spacey carried more with less propping him up. Um. Kevin Spacey had an hour and a half of movie propping him up. Anthony Hopkins had 20 minutes of a movie and only about three minutes of explaining what he did before you actually see him. I mean, realistically, most people can't even name the bad guy in that movie. So Buffalo Bill. Yeah. Most people don't know that. Most people think it's Hannibal Lecter. If you go ask 20 people, I can't help other people, Nick. Yeah, that's fair. Well, no, that's actually a check mark for him. That's how powerful that performance was or how powerful they propped him up. Uh, what I'm saying is, well, yes, Kevin Spacey wasn't in a room that's like in a group of bad people and his is different, which makes him imply that he's significantly worse. He doesn't have that, but he has a movie that he's like unbelievable, horrible things. And all these resources being like poured into him, they still can't catch him. And then he just gives himself up like he's got a lot of movie leading him up to this point. So all that carries on to his performance. It gives him weight. Yeah, I think that's just about as the much same as all that scenery time. does for Anthony Hopkins. I don't think it's just as much. And they have about the I, same I, amount I, of actually, I would time. say it's more. Oh, I don't think so. Because you still get the same kind of violence out of Anthony Hopkins. He dresses a guy like a turkey in a jail cell. Yeah, but that's not towards the end, though. And I wouldn't say that's the best part of his performance. What would you say is the best part of his performance? Anthony Hopkins? When he mispronounces Chianti? I don't know. I think pretty much all those conversations when he's behind the glasses are good. Mm. 
Yeah, they're both really good. No, they're they're both very good, but I'm I'm just saying I'm not going to give Kevin Spacey the edge, and that's why I'm not going to give that movie a better. I also, it's I think the uh, the story of Silence of the Lambs is a little better. Yeah, that's probably fair. Um, this one is more of an experience than a story. Like this seems like a like a an A and E like this is like a real depiction of a real crime yeah, that had Demi, a bad ending, yeah. right? Demi was it just great. it doesn't like. It doesn't seem like a story, more of a retelling. Uh, and I know that sounds goofy, but. Oh, that's fair. So uh, what's your favorite line in the movie? Um, so when Brad Pitt and Morgan Freeman, I think it's when they're waiting for the fingerprints to come back in. And he's like being like all these like, you don't think it's going to make a difference. We're not going to get them. He's like a lot of the stuff that we never goes to court. Collecting diamonds on a desert island. Collecting diamonds on a desert island on the off chance of getting rescued. That's my favorite line. You know, it is a good. It's one. great symbolism. Uh, it really is. It, yeah. It's 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 really summing up like the entire philosophy of the movie in one thing. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. That's my favorite line. Uh, What's yours? I like that one. I think I like uh, Brad Pitt's uh, when they're trying to like justify, you know, he's saying he's a normal person and Brad Pitt's like, no, he's crazy. He's at home jerking off in his underwear, watching Captain Kangaroo. He's like, (laughs) (laughs) that's what I like. Yeah. What's your favorite scene? Mine's the bar scene. Um, Favorite scene. Um, I don't know. I don't think any one scene in this one really sticks out too much for me. Um, it's not. I I don't think I would say it's the bar scene. I think it'd be maybe the uh, ending. The ending. Yeah, I would have to pick that. I don't know. I can't think of a better scene. I'm pretty sure the guy that did the score for this movie is the same person that did the score for Silence of the Lambs because it sounds almost identical to me. Um, I'm going to look that up, but what would you take for your prop? So this one, I like, I have an answer, but I don't like it because I find it extremely disturbing. <laughs> you want the dick knife. I want the dick knife. Yeah, that's exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, what would you do with, with the dick knife? I'd probably hide it away so nobody ever could see it because they think I'm some in the weird shit or something. It's not that identifiable to the movie. Yeah, nobody's gonna know what it is. They're just gonna think you're a kook. No, because there's it, like you see it, but you see it for like a half a second off a Polaroid, right? It's uh on a mannequin that's like arching his back backwards with no arms. I don't something like that. Yeah, I I, I was focused on the D. What can I say? I couldn't. That doesn't surprise me. <laughs> so the the music is by Howard Shore, and I believe that's the guy from Lord of the Rings, isn't it? It is. Wow. Hmm. So he did all sorts of stuff. He did. That's incredible, man. Mrs. Doubtfire. Yeah, he did do Silence of the Lambs. It's the same. 
That makes sense. Okay. Uh, the prop I would take is the box with the head in it. Just the cardboard box with just a hint of blood in the corner? No, because it's got like a prop head in it. There actually is a prop in it? Yeah, there's a head in it. Because you see like a wisp of hair. I want the box. That way, when somebody asks what's in the box, I can like pull it out and be like, ha ha! Mm. Yeah, this isn't a really like prop heavy movie where there's something in it that was really interesting. One of the journals might be cool. Or eat. But there were so many of them. It's not very unique. Well, right? they, they are unique. They actually had them all made. They spent $15,000 to make them. They're all unique. Really? And they caught, and there was 2,000 of them. And it took two months to make them. Oh, no shit. Yeah. Hmm. I don't know. I Yeah, I can't think of a, like, a prop in this movie that I, I freaking love. Um, With a hand in the jar. Actually, you know what I'd probably like more than the uh, dick knife? The dick knife. I would like the receipt for the dick knife. <laughs> that says the one Wild that led Bills. him to Buffalo Bills. Yes. Yeah. I think I might prefer that because then I could frame it and like it, I would laugh and nobody else would think it's stupid, but at least they wouldn't think I'm like a creepy, you know, dick we- knife wielding pervert. Do you think you the know? receipt says dick knife? I have no idea. <laughs> I wonder if that's on the internet somewhere. <laughs> Don't touch that dial. Hold on. All right. So next category is who peaked. Um, I, I'm, I'm going to run it through real quick because there's not a lot of people here. Kevin Spacey did not peak. I would say he probably peaked in what? American Beauty. Right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Or, I yep. mean, if we're going to include television, it would be House of Cards. I really um, liked House of Cards. Yeah. Uh, Brad Pitt did not peak here. No matter no. what anybody says. Nor did Morgan Freeman. Mor- yeah. Morgan Freeman peaked in Shawshank Redemption. That happened early for him. Uh, yeah. Gwyneth Paltrow didn't either. Right. Well, to be honest, I don't really like her in much stuff. No, I, I, I don't love I can't find it on the internet, Nick. What dick knife? I can't find the receipt. I wanted to see what it said. Oh, really? Yeah. All right. That's because I search. Um, we'll look it up later, Brad. Hmm. Uh, so nothing really peaked here, huh? This might be the peak trick ending. Peak trick ending. You think this is the best trick ending about any movie? Yeah, what's better? Is what Fight about Club like, better? Like an actual like trick where like, ha, we got you. Like, is the game better? I loved that ending. I would say that is more surprising of an ending, yes. Um, that was a wild ending. What about like the ending to Inception? I don't it's not think exactly that's really a, a trick. trick. It's it's more ambiguous. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Maybe it's not the peak for that either. Yeah, I don't. Know. Um, I don't know if I would, I'd have a hard time saying it. it is. Is your MVP just Morgan Freeman? Actually, I think it might be Kevin Spacey. Wow. So he gets the Anthony Hopkins. You're on the screen for ten minutes, and it's still good enough, huh? Oh, I'm sorry. I'm not going to say that some beat down old cop who's all hung drum bitching about everything is going to be the best performance of a lifetime. Well, 
I, I don't disagree. I think Kevin Spacey's performance is definitely better than Morgan Freeman's here. I, I don't think that's really arguable. Yeah. What are you saying? I, I think Morgan Freeman's the MVP because he carries the entire movie up until the last 10 minutes. But I still think Kevin Spacey did a better job. So I'm going to give him an MVP for okay. Morgan Freeman. But acknowledge that uh, it's harder to hit a half-court shot to win the game. But somebody still scored 28 for the rest of the game. <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't know. Okay, how about let's look at it this way. Who, if you could re- had to replace one of them, which one would you replace? Oh, Morgan Freeman, probably. Then it's got to be Kevin Spacey. Yeah, it just, be. just if you cannot think... replace him, then it has to be him best because the movie would not be the same without him. I, yeah, I think the character is benign enough where somebody else you could have suffered that character being a little less good, and it still it isn't a worse movie. But if the villain is worse, it is a terrible movie. It's fucking Murtaugh. Get Danny Glover in here. <laughs> I'm too old for this shit. <laughs> That's what I mean. Wigs. Yeah, that it's Kevin Spacey. Just right. own it. All right, I'm fine with that. You talk okay. me into it. Um, Anything else? No, that's it, man. Uh, we already did. Did we do the awards? They didn't win any awards. Oh, for did, the Oscars? Yeah, I can do that right now. Hold on. Don't touch that dot. <laughs> well, you talk about what we're going to do for the next week. Well, because it's still early, still kind of Halloweeny. I think we kind of stay in the creepier realm. Okay. Um, and I think we need a movie that's a little bit more fun. Okay. This one kind of bummed me out a little bit. It is dark as fuck. So I think we do Tremors. Oh, we can play Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon. Yes, we can. All right. Yeah. We have never done a Kevin Bacon movie. I don't think. Have we never done a Kevin Bacon movie? Which is bonkers. Love that guy. Yeah, we all love that guy, too. That's hard to believe. Yeah, everybody loves Kevin Bacon. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, we'll um, do X-Men First Class someday. Maybe. Yeah. No, I want to, I want to do Tremors. It's And plus, um, the that guy, the um, he just died not too long ago. Like a year ago now. Um, not Kevin Bacon, the other guy. Oh, Burt Reynolds or no, Burt. No, uh, yeah, his name's Burt in the Lancaster or something. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah, All he right. died not like less than a year ago. So we've got the Oscars up. Okay. This was nominated for one Oscar. Um, so best actor in a leading role that year went to Nick Cage in leaving Las Vegas. And it looks right. Supporting role went to Kevin Spacey for the usual suspects. Beating Brad Pitt in 12 Monkeys, Ed Harris in Apollo 13, and James Cromwell from Babe. <laughs> Dude, whatever. <laughs> Look, I love James Cromwell First of all, with Babe. I do. And that movie's fantastic. And I love yeah. that movie, but that feels like a bit of a stretch. I would have I would have given it to Brad Pitt in 12 Monkeys just because it was such a departure. Mm-hmm. Um, Susan Sarandon won Best Actress for Dead Man Walking. Um, Sharon Stone should have won it for Casino. Um, that's enough of that. 
we don't care about best actress in a supporting role. It wasn't good. Cinematography went to Braveheart, and that should have gotten it. Director went to Mel Gibson for Braveheart, beating Tim Robbins for Dead Man Walking and Chris Noonan for Babe. Although I, hmm. I like you, did like Babe. Uh, Babe is a classic. It did win an Oscar. For what? Best, Best Visual Pig? Effects. Hmm. Uh, so Seven was nominated for Best Film Editing, and it did not win. It lost to Apollo 13. And I ain't mad about it. I'm not mad about it either. That being said, I think this movie actually did have a pretty good pace. Well, the editing is also like the drawing out of the color, the drab overtones, the all of that. So maybe I think it was better edited than Apollo 13. Hmm. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, Best picture, Apollo by 13's the way. is is one of the greatest movies of all time. Yeah, it's hard for me to take anything away from Apollo mm-hmm. 13. Um, Best picture was Braveheart, Babe, Sense and Sensibility, The Postman, and Apollo 13. And it went to Braveheart. Should have went to Apollo 13. That's what I would say, too. Yeah. yeah. All right. So that's the Oscars for that year. I am really excited to do Tremors. It's kind of a cult classic. Um, you and I both grew up with it. I think it's awesome. It's got a lot of fun things in it. We can talk about how we would survive in a post-apocalyptic world and if I have the right guns for it. So, mm. super sneaky. I think me and, me and Reba McIntyre, we're going to be okay. Oh, yeah. We're going to yeah. have to stock we up on some guns. <laughs> yeah. But that's it for this episode of The Real Dudes. Thanks so much for coming. Like, subscribe, tell your friends if you like this episode. And uh, we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye.